But it's a joy to see all of you, joy to bring God's word. And I want to thank our senior pastor. Uh, in uh, view of uh, what the Lord has been uh, teaching us, unveiling his word, I would like to continue on um, uh, the series of uh, uh, Romans chapter 8. And uh, those uh, uh, passages have been my favorite. And uh, this is the crux of our Christian faith. We can get all our Bible stories. We can sing a lot of Psalms. Uh, we can recite a lot of uh, scriptures from the Bible. But if at all you want to hit the core of our faith, uh, that is unshakable, Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, mandatory. It is so vital. It is foundational to our faith. And uh, I pray uh, that, that this series will be like a treasure, uh, you know, uh, being in the ministry and preaching and teaching. When it comes to Romans, it is unshakable. And so uh, I pray that our, as a church, uh, yes, we have a lot of fancy doctrines going on, a lot of uh, uh, high-sounding preaching that's going on, but this is fundamental. And so today, uh, in, in uh, uh, continuation uh, to what Pastor has been doing, uh, I have, I'm sharing uh, the slide. Uh, I've titled it as uh, uh, Spirit-Led Life. If you can see the slide, uh, you, can, you can just put a thumbs up uh, so that I know that you are, you are there. Thumbs up. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. At least your thumbs are moving up. I can't see your faces. Uh, <clears throat> Spirit-led life. This is, this is normal Christian life. This is how we live our life, led by the Spirit. And today, I would like to, uh, to, to talk about strengthening the inner man. I got a small picture of muscles up there, a man trying to flex his muscles up. And then somewhere I got this picture, strengthening the inner man. How to strengthen your inner man? Outwardly, we are wasting away, Paul said, but inwardly, we are renewed day by day. And so I want to talk about this strengthening the inner man, getting renewed every day. Things outside, the news is very grim. The news is not very hopeful. You talk to the doctors about vaccine, they say, hold on, and the changes that are coming up in nation after nation, and all those things, yes, out, so outward we are wasting away, inwardly we are renewed day by day. Now, look at a couple of references as we get into it, a lot, lot of ground to cover today. Um, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16, and I would like to put another verse from Hebrews. Watch this verse very carefully. There's a prayer to the Ephesian church. I pray that out of his glorious riches, God is never lacking in riches abundant riches of God, unlimited resources of God. God can never exhaust his resources. And so that's the glorious riches of God, including his mercy is so rich. God is rich in mercy. When it comes to pardoning, when it comes to forgiveness, God is rich. I remember, uh, was it uh, uh, Kasab? He begged the government of India. I think, is it November 22nd, uh, 2012, when he was convicted the last was he begged for mercy, but our government rejected mercy. I just think about the cross and the criminal next to Jesus. He begged for mercy. He said, today. He didn't postpone the date. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. Think about the mess that David was in. He messed up with Bathsheba. He murdered Uriah. He did not go into the war. There was a lot of collapse in the government. When he hit the rock bottom, one thing he prayed in um, uh, Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God. 
be merciful to me. Mercy has got that, that, that tone where, Lord, can you go be beneath my mess and pull me out? Anyway, so that is about the mercy of God. I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he might strengthen you, energize you with power, dunamis, through his spirit. Now, look, look at those three things. They're very essential. Strengthen you in your... We see where the strengthening is happening. is almost there obvious. With power, dunamis, through his spirit in your inner being. So that means the intention of God in our Christian walk is not to give us external muscles that comes by, by the virtue of our physical exercise and diet and rest. But look at the prayer that goes on. The spirit of God with his supernatural power, wants to energize the inner man, the inner being, the spirit man, so that we can live a victorious Christian life, so that we will discern the love of God, so that we will have a grasp of what God has for us. And so this is that inner man. This is, this is what Romans is about. This is what chapter 8 is about. It's an energy booster. No matter what happens on the outside, Dear Christian, get to know we got to be strong on the inside. Your inner man is strengthened. So let me ask you a question. How strong is your inner man? We are human. We can never become more human. We are spiritual. We are born again. But we need strength. We need to move from milk to maturity. That leads me to the next verse. Oh, let me skip this. Go ahead. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14. Look at one word there. But solid food is for the mature, full age, another translation says. Solid food is for the mature, who because of practice. So inner man will not gain strength if there is no training, if there is no practice. Inner man is not take a capsule, or once in a while we worship, once in a while we, we get excited about God. No, there is a systematic process of training the inner man. So you use this word practice, it's a verb practice that comes on a regular basis and have their senses oh my senses trained you don't get to know the things of god overnight you train yourself you will be you will meditate day and night and you shall be like a tree your leaves will not wither the roots go down deep uh, whatever happens you will not falter you train your senses now what happens there to discern good and evil who discerns the good and evil the senses there are not human senses human senses have no power to discern distinguish between good and evil it is the inner man the inner senses so the bible has got uh, Bible, Bible expounds on the inner man and inner senses, the senses of the spirit man. And Romans 8, walking and being led by the spirit, calls us to the training, practice, and discerning of the senses of the inner man, so that we can distinguish what is good from evil, so that we will get to know the path of righteousness, so that we will know what not to go onto that muck of mockery, not to stand on the way of sinners and the scoffers, but we'll know how to take so. So inner man is the key. The strengthening of the inner man is the key. The sensing of the inner man is the key. So let's go down today. How to strengthen the spirit man? If we don't strengthen, what is the consequence? And so we're going to cover some grounds. At last, I would like to close up with that four points. How we, what we do with our spirit man 
how we energize the spirit man. Now, quite interesting, this came to my mind. I was uh, meditating on the gospel according to John. Now watch this. There are three images that I put. John chapter 3 is the first image. John chapter 4 is the second image. John chapter 7 is the third image. I would like us to observe the progression that is there in these three verses. And the progression with water. And so I would like to, I would like to put in uh, here trying to say that the Spirit of God, the work of the Spirit in our inner man is progressive and it gains energy and momentum. Now, unless you're born of water and the Spirit, John chapter 3 verse 3, not born of water, the uh, amniotic fluid in the womb, how much water is required, how much water is there in the womb, 600 ml, full term, 600 to 800 ml. And so, so much water for birth. Now, when Jesus was talking about to, to the Samaritan woman on a breakthrough in her inner life and, and, and going ahead and rejoicing in what God has done, and he uses another word for water there, and look at that, there, there is a, 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 a quality of the water that's mentioned, fount. Now, whoever drinks the water that I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a fount, a fountain of water. It's just not water for birth. It is water for life. So fountain of water. Now fountain springs up in same place. There is, there is no, it's, it's not in motion. So the water springs up. It's there in the same place. And I just put that picture up there. Now when it comes to the spirit life, in John chapter 7, Jesus says, if you believe in me, rivers will gush out, flow. Look at the progression in the Christian life. I hope we are not stuck up with, I'm being born of water. Little of it. That's not, that's not the name of the game. That's not where the Lord is calling us. It is just not, okay, I've got saved. I've just got the fountain. It's, it's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling in my soul. I'm full of joy. Yes, move on to the life of the Spirit. That's what Paul is trying to tell in Romans 8. Rivers should gush out. No wonder Jesus said, hang on in Jerusalem. Luke 24, 49. Be clothed with power from on high. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And you will, when you receive power, there will be that momentum. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. You see, that gushing out, that flowing out, that being strengthened. So that is where the Lord is calling us. And I pray that our church will have, you will have that life-giving water gushing out. Let me go down. The new man, we all know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, please go ahead and complete. He's a new creation. The old is gone. God did not repair the old man. Everybody, this is the secret of Christian life. The world is behind the old man. Tinkering, getting onto motivational videos, doing some yoga, trying to get positive mental uh, attitude, you know, books and things. We are trying to work on the old man. God did not work on the old man. Romans 6, 6, anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So the old man was done away with. The old man, change me, Lord, change me, Lord. God says, get crucified. You want to come and follow after me? Deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me. And so, uh, let me, I think I just got a... Oh yeah, thank you. 
New man is under the new management. The old is gone and the management is the management of the Holy Spirit. Romans 6, 7, 8. I wish we underlined this. I want to underline. I'm so blessed every time we come to this chapter. And this is where the secret is. You're making notes, please make it. Want to listen, go ahead and listen. Keep listening. Uh, this is where the crux of the matter is. The management is of the Holy Spirit of God. Look at what Paul uses uh, in, in his letters there. We are controlled by the Spirit. We live according to the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. And in fact, every Sunday, as pastors dismiss us, we have the benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, love of God the Father, fellowship and communion. So we get dismissed on a Sunday after service with the last phrase that we hold on and go. Communion of the Holy Ghost. Communion, common union. Things in common, things in union. So the fellowship of the Holy Ghost is the, is the most important feature that we live by from Monday to Saturday. By the way, the Holy Spirit of God is not enforcing his stuff, his truth. John chapter 16 says, Jesus was very clear. He will take from me what is mine and make it known to you. And so we live by the Spirit of God who's so self-effacing. He doesn't push himself. He presents Jesus to us. What a feature of the Holy Spirit. What a feature of the Holy Spirit. He's, he's kind of always veiling himself. He says, no, you do. You stretch your hand and I will heal. And so we live by the management of the Holy Ghost. Bible says that we are a tripartite being. And this is very crucial to our understanding. And as we are get to know what we do with the inner man. What we do with, this, with, with our spirit. And our first Thess Thessalonians 5.23 says that we are spirit first. We've got a soul. We are locked up in a body. We are spirit. We are soul. And we are body. As Pastor was highlighting, I think he, he a long time on, on Romans 6. And, and then we went to Romans 8 now. Now, there are three, all these three entities, faculties have a law. They operate in the law. And uh, uh, I'll just highlight a little bit. And uh, I want to dwell on and another picture so that we can we can uh, understand this uh, more clearly law of sin our body flesh sinful nature contaminated with flesh fleshly desires corrupt desires deceitful desires it operates on a law and I put it down here law of sin what is the law of sin law rules to govern by that's the meaning of a law got some rules and it wants to govern it wants to control now, what is the law of sin? The law of sin is sin wants to be your master. Sin will never be your slave. Sin wants to boss over. Sin wants to dominate. Sin wants to dictate. Sin wants to rule. You allow a little sin. Sin will wants to rule. Sin can never befriend you. The wages of sin is death. There is no way it can be sugar-coated, jaggery-coated, this-coated, but it's full of deadly virus. Sin wants to rule. Sin has got evil desires. Deceitful. What a deceitful desire looks so nice on the outside but cheats you. Sin wants to fill your body. Wants to use your body to fulfill its agenda. No wonder Jesus said if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Because sin wants to use the faculty of your body. Sin wants to control you with sinful passions. 
a small trigger is enough. The passion burns. It binds you, makes you a slave because it's always the master. There is no way sin wants you to be a co-heir. There's no way you can dictate terms. By the way, sin is like looking at television. Have you ever listened to the looked at the television and say, hey, TV, um, can we change the angle of the camera? No. When you watch a television, we are slaves because whoever is handling the camera, they are the boss. You can never say, don't show this image. You can never say, no, roll it off. You can never say, no, change your language. You can never be strict on the TV. It's like that. It makes, he's the boss. Nothing good lives in the sinful nature. So this is what God had said. And you come to Jesus Christ, this gets crucified. Now, what is the soul? What is the law of the mind? In chapter 7, 32 times you have the word I. The I is nothing but mind, will, and emotions. We're going to come to that. Mind is waging war every second. Every second your mind is waging war. Waging war. We'll come to that verse in a while. And the mind is crying out to be rescued. Because the mind is delighting in God's law, but the mind has become a slave to sin. I can't overcome lust. I can't overcome immorality. I'm, I'm full of confusion. I'm so cluttered on the inside. I always think negative. Mind has become, it, 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 it wants to obey God, but somewhere mind has become a prisoner because it's crying out. And that freedom of the mind can only be experienced when we come under the law of the spirit. The law of the spirit is a setting free spirit. That's the law. The spirit, the, the law of the spirit of life is, is the spirit of life. It's always gushing with life. It's not boring. Spiritful life is not boring. No wonder when we say spiritual worship, it's not boring. When we say walking and obeying God, it's not boring. Prayer is not boring. It's life giving resource, unlimited. And so that's the law of the spirit of life. And law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin. Unless we are walking in the spirit, forget Christian life. It is a drudgery. It's a drudgery to get up and say, oh my goodness, I need to pray. I need to read. I need to tell the truth. I should die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? If you are not led by the spirit, we are coming back to the yoke of slavery. The Spirit of God wants to control your mind, your mind, your mind. Spirit of God produces godly desires. Spirit of God will give life to your mortal bodies. Mortal bodies. Sometimes you come with sickness. Sometimes you come with pain. And then you get into the presence of God. You worship. That life flows. Jesus would go to that triple man. He wants to touch the water. 38 years he couldn't even slide himself to the pool. But one word. Take up your mat and walk. That word, that life-giving word, picked up. The strength begin to come. And that's the power of the Holy Ghost working in us. Because, uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 13, you put to death the misdeeds, the desires, the lust, the passion of the flesh. is only by the Holy Ghost. Only by the Holy Ghost. You kill sin. Put to death means kill. You kill sin by the ammunition of the Holy Ghost. A spiritual life is a life of warfare. You keep shooting down the desires. The Spirit of God reminds you that you are the Son of God. You are the Son of God. 
You're the son of God. Spirit of God is an advocate. He speaks to you on your behalf. He says, hey, Sonny, you are the son. You're the child of God. Sonny, you're seated in heavenly places. Sonny, the father loves you so much. Sonny, the father thinks about you. He's the one who reminds you. He's an advocate. He's the, he's the one who reminds that, that the relationship is intact. He reminds us about the certificate of adoption. He reminds us that we are sons and we are heirs. We are seated with Christ. We are not slaves. You see, that's the strength that we have from the Holy Ghost. This is the life that we're talking about. Now let's go ahead. What happens in our soul? What happens in our soul? There is a war. And I want to tell you what the enemy is trying to do in the minds of believers and how to overcome that. That's the capsule of the message today. The sinful desires, fleshy lust, passions of the flesh, they war against your soul. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, fleshly lust, passions of the flesh, which war. It's not a tap fight. It's not a battle. The Bible calls it a war. A war in the mind. Now, if you can understand this, this diagram, you get Romans 8. I mean, there's a lot of other nuggets there, but, but in a very simple way, the sinful desire, I hope you can see the mouse pointer, the sinful desire, the flesh, produces, let's say, a lustful thought. That lustful thought wants to control your mind, dictates, say, greediness, hunger, greedy for some, some material stuff. This wants to grip, it's like it's like it's a sharpened claws, it wants to control your mind. And the mind produces desire, and desire is executed in the body. This, this war is there almost every moment for a Christian. How do you win over that to the Holy Spirit of God? What the Holy Spirit of God would do? Holy Spirit of God wants to control your mind again. He produces a thought. He says, no, what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. He says, Sonny, come on, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Probably he reminds me of the call of God. He reminds me about the treasures that are there in eternity. And he produces in me a desire. He produces in me a noble desire, a desire that honors God, and my body executes that desire. You see that? There is a battle between these two, and these two do not cooperate. They are 24 by 7 in conflict, and they want this mind space. They want this mind space. And so that this mind will produce desire, and desire is ex executed in the body. So we got to know how to smash how to overcome, how to win over the sinful desires that are warring against our soul. So let us go, how does this sinful desire operate? The primary attack of the enemy of this desire is to gain control over mind, over thought, over emotion. So what does the enemy want to do? What is the sinful desire? By the way, we know that the whole world is contaminated. 1 John chapter 2, 15 to 17. Everything in the world. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. They don't come from the Father. They come from the world. And they corrupt man. 
the fleshly desire, this present world, and the enemy, Satan, they want to gain control over the mind, over thought, and over emotion. What happens in the mind? Let me put some figuratives here. This is the battlefield in the mind. Now, what enemy primarily wants to do is to cage your mind to think in certain way. That is what I call a stronghold. The primary strategy of the enemy is to build a stronghold in the mind. Now, people of God, realize this one thing. What's a stronghold? Stronghold is a hiding place of the enemy. Stronghold. Stronghold is a house of thoughts. Mind and thoughts. So what the enemy will do wants to put, what wants to build a small, small, small houses. I'll come to that. This is how. Build, build small houses inside. Prison you. I cannot overcome. I cannot pray much. I will die. My mother is like this. My marriage is like this. My children are like this. Our country is like this. I can never read the Bible. You know, God will never answer my prayer. I doubt the existence of God. Come on, put, 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 put. Little, 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 little hiding places. And every time you come, you open the word, the thoughts get triggered. Why? A stronghold. Sometimes these strongholds are right from birth. Sometimes these strongholds come because of life circumstances. If you go through an abuse, you will never trust people. If you've gone through sexual abuse, you're always in rage, in retaliation, in revenge. Somebody cheated you, somebody bullied you, some, some mishappenings and, and some tsunamis in life. You build, you build some thought patterns in the mind. That's how enemy wants to control. Wrong understanding. Somewhere a small petty fight will take in and then anger comes in. And sometimes self-inflicted curses. I will never trust again. I will never speak to that person again. I will never allow. You see that? We build thought patterns in the mind. That's what enemy wants to do. Build strongholds. Sometimes when we come, I don't think God was interested in me. Ministry is not for me. I don't think I can pray much. I will never be filled with the Holy Spirit. These tongues and all these things are not for me. You know, these are all high sounding. I will just live a normal life. You know, may God give me this. No, no, no. That's the lie of the enemy. Lie of the enemy. What does the enemy want to do? Build strongholds in the mind. Some of us are unable to overcome sins because it's a stronghold, big stronghold. And the more room you give to the enemy, this is get built. And you're praying, you're praying, you're praying how to get rid of it. But, but those thoughts are there. Watch out these two gates that the enemy is possessing these days. The eye gate and the ear gate. These are the two God-given gates for information to be sent and accessed in the mind. Therefore, what we watch, what we hear is very critical. Very critical. And today our mobiles are dictating a lot of these things. A stronghold is a mindset, a thought pattern, a way of thinking. So we got to break the strongholds. What we do with the strongholds is very simple. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are... Uh -huh, 
are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Power to break strongholds, demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments, pretensions that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we handcuff every thought and break it obedient to Christ. Handcuff. I will lose. Nothing good is going to happen to my life. Probably I will fail. I'm a, I'm a meet an accident and I will die. You know, we, we got all these thoughts up there. We got to take captive the thought. How do you do that? Now, I'm going to take probably a five minutes or so and try to, to get this going now. I hope you're able to see the diagram. This is this is quite important. I'm just going to use a very, uh, uh, say, a little silly illustration, but but kind of makes sense for all of us. Now, we are we are the body here. You know, all the five senses. So we are world conscious, and this is our soul. And um, God took mud and made. Um, man and the moment he blew the breath of God which is the Ruah the spirit he became a living soul and so this is about your mind uh, your will and emotions the, the real you is here now this is your spirit this is your spirit that part of you which connects to God is your spirit our fellowship with God is spirit to spirit intimacy. We are not soul to spirit. No, God is spirit and we commune and engage with him in spirit. So if our spirit man is not strong, that means we are not engaging in the terms that God has prescribed. And so that's what you have. Spirit to spirit. Now, the progression in the Christian life, a spiritual life is this way. This is the progression. We don't start with the body. It starts with the union of the Holy Spirit of God with man's spirit. And then the progression, the affects, the mind, the will and the emotion. And then it reflects in the body, executed in the body. No wonder the song says, when the spirit of the Lord moves upon my heart, I will, I, I, I will dance like David danced. You see? Spirit of God is the starting point. Now, our fellowship with the Spirit is so critical. Now, what is the hindrance that we have and why we need to strengthen the Spirit man? Our mind has got a unique capacity to form images. The best camera in the world is our mind. It can click a million pictures it can remember fantastic colors if i were to ask you to close your eyes and think about a mountain which is blue in color and then there's a white tree on the middle of it and there's a small little hummingbird chirping there you can imagine this is mind mind has got from image comes imagination mind has got a lot of imaginations now, why we need to strengthen our spirit? Now, let me tell you. What's the problem with this? What's the greatest hindrance when it, the flow from here to here? When your union with God, the Holy Spirit, and your spirit, you're communing. There's a lot of download that's happening from there. And from here, 
it affects your mind, your heart, your will. But actually, why is there, why is there a disturbance from the flow chart from the spirit to the soul? Now, the problem is the I. Paul said 32 times, I am struggling. What is this I struggling? Let me help us here. Now, let me, let me take a Christian boy. Let's say his name is Samuel. Now, Samuel is getting ready for marriage. And now, uh, let me, silly illustration, but let's, let's, let's stick with this. So, let's say Samuel is 10 standard. And um, he likes a girl in the school. Let's say her name is... Um, um, uh, very tricky to take names now. So let's let's say let's take all Christian names. Okay, uh, let's say he's he's looking at Ruth. So he likes Ruth. Uh, Ruth is a wonderful girl, very studious, and uh, she she loves the Lord. And so uh, 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 oh, so we let's say very studious girl. And so he clicks pictures of Ruth, and he says, you know, very studious. If at all I marry, I marry Ruth. And so, yeah, you have a root there. And then in 12th standard, he likes uh, another girl. Let's say that girl's name is, uh, is uh, Rachel. Now, Rachel is very motherly. Whenever Samuel is sick, and then she brings in those tiffin boxes, she brings in, you know, those goodies and all that. And so he says, man, if at all in my life I marry, I'm, I will marry a girl like Rachel. Okay, now he's in, he's in uh, his degree, and then he meets another girl. Um, what's the girl's? Let's say Sarah. And so he meets Sarah, and Sarah, Sarah's got a wonderful body type. She's extremely beautiful, and uh, she's the miss here, miss there. My goodness. He says, wow, if at all I marry, I will marry a girl like Sarah. Then finish. Then he comes to do his post-graduation. Let's say he's doing his MSc. And then he meets another girl. Um, what's her name? Uh, Esther. Esther is full spiritual. She moves in the prophetic. She's fasting 21 days. She's on fire for the Lord. Man, he says, oh my goodness, I've never seen a girl like this. She's always, you know, basking in the glory of God and this and that on the other. And he says, if at all I marry, I'm going to marry a girl like Esther. Fine, now he's around 28 years now. And uh, mother and father, they say, mother, it's time for you to get married. So we would like to find a girl for you. Innocently, he says, okay, mommy, okay, daddy, find a girl for me. And now, these parents are very godly. They, they, they are very godly in the sense they are spirit-filled parents. Their communion with the Lord and with them is so strong. And they'll get on a fasting and say, Lord, show us, direct us, lead us to the right family. And Lord, so that we can find a girl, a match for our son. So they go on a big, say, 40 days fasting. And with all the consultation with the pastors and recommendations and what not, they do all their homework and, and they find one girl. Okay, I'll just put the girl's name as A. Um, yeah, 
A. Now, after the prayer, they come and they show the picture to Sam. Sam, they choose a, probably they go into a restaurant or they, they have some special biryani at home and they say, you know what, Sam, we prayed over it. We've, we've made a godly choice. We listened to the Lord. Uh, we consulted uh, godly people around. We consulted the pastor. We consulted all our dear friends. And we brought this wonderful girl for you. And this girl, if we believe that it's going to be God's will for your life. And our man, I mean, they did, they did their homework. And Sam sees the picture for, say, two minutes. And he says, I don't like this girl. No. They ask him why? No. All along, what has Sam been doing? Sam has been making his own girl in his mind. If at all I want a girl, that girl should be a combination of Ruth, Rachel, Sarah, Esther. A combination of somebody in the mind. So he's been clicking images from his 15, 15 years to 28 years in his mind, in his mind, in his mind. Generating pictures of this is the kind of person, this is the kind of person. And he makes his own, from imagination, he makes his own idol and this idol comes here. And so he makes his own picture. So what happens? Every time you have a word from the Lord, this idol is a hindrance. Because the eye is too big. Let's go with the different color. The eye is too big here. Anything from the Lord is, ah, no, 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 no. I know what's best for me. I know my life. Who are you to tell me? I know because already he's got, he's been making small, small idols. Our, our brain can handle so much of sensory receptors. And by the way, you are not made to watch 50 videos a day. You are not made to open every, every SMS, every message. No way. Today we are so bothered about WhatsApp and we forgot what's up. And the idols in our life have become too strong that the flow from the spirit is clogged, is blocked, it's hindered, there's obstruction. Why? Idols. This is, this is where, in diagram, uh, diagrammatically, somewhere we get a little idea of why we need to break idols. This idol can become a stronghold. No, 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 that girl, no. Her nose is like this, her hair is like this, or this. So we make our judgments based on our physical senses in our own mind, which we have trained from our circumstances and intelligence. We don't have the divine intelligence that flows from here. Now, what's the beauty of worship? Here the I does not submit. In worship, what happens? We sing songs like, Lord, I submit to you. Lord, I surrender. Lord, I need you more. Lord, I'm longing for you. Lord, I leave all my flesh. I come to you, Lord. Lord, you are the giver of my life, keeper of my life. You know what we are doing in worship? In worship, there is that flow. 
Come Lord, spirit filled worship. I hope you observe what pastor prayed today. Let the spirit of God flow. Let the word of God flow. And this way, what we are trying to say, Lord, I don't want me. I crucify me. I desire you. You are the faithful one, Lord. And this is, this is crucified. And there's the flow. And this is what needs to be energized. That's when we can break the stronghold. If we, if we start forming too many idols in our mind, there is no flow of the Holy Ghost. There is no fruitfulness. I hope we got this. Let me slowly start landing on this uh, thought. Um, Oh my, I need to erase now. One second, one second, one second. First time when we had a, a youth meeting in Zoom, some 300 youngsters were there. That's the first time I'm handling Zoom. I didn't know how to do it. And I found all youngsters scribbling the page. I didn't know who was there. And uh, that's when I started really learning how to do all these things. But anyway, praise the Lord. What do we do with our spirit, our inner man, the spirit being? I hope you're getting that picture in the mind. What do we do in and with the uh, spirit man, with the Holy Spirit and our spirit, that union? Point number one. We understand God in our spirit. We don't understand with human intelligence. Simple example. The wise men came from the east. They went to Herod and said, Where is the one who had been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east. We have come to worship him. Herod was baffled. He called for the Pharisees. Pharisees had intelligence. They knew the prophecy. They had information. But they did not have the understanding that the babe born in Bethlehem is the king of of the Jews and the Savior of the world. If they had the revelation and the understanding, they would have rushed to bow down and worship. It is in your spirit you understand God. First Corinthians chapter uh, 2, 11 to 13. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So when you have that union with the Holy Spirit, that's when it is the birthplace of understanding God. It's in the birthplace. No wonder sometimes even illiterate people. Just say 20, 30 years ago, when the missionaries used to preach in the villages, in the tribal regions, how did they get the enlightenment? It's the Holy Spirit of God hitting their spirit. There was that ignition. There was that there were divine intelligence that would go and, and, and convict the man or a woman or a child telling you're a sinner, you need salvation. We understand God in our spirit. Look at verse, verse, verse 14 and 15. A man without the spirit does not accept things. From the, if you're not a spiritual person, things of God, you'll always speculate. And sometimes that you, you're agnostic. No, 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 no. I can't accept these things. Look at that. You don't accept these things that come from the spirit of God for their foolishness to him. The day one when the spirit of God came on the planet, people misunderstood the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus said... The world does not understand him. The world does not know him. But you know him because I've already spoken to you about him. John chapter 14. 
The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God for their foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. When you walk with the Holy Ghost, you have spiritual discernment. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you're led by the Holy Ghost, your spiritual, your senses are developed. You begin to see things the way God sees. You begin to hear the way God hears. You begin to understand the way God understands. Or else, you will be led by the flesh. Example is Lot. Lot saw Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says from far, Genesis chapter 13, and from afar, he gazed with his naked eye, to see Solomon Gomorrah and say, it looks like the garden of the Lord. No way. It looked like the garden of the Lord. But he didn't get the understanding what it was until he went in to know that it was a hotbed for homosexuality. We need spiritual discernment. Naked eye cannot see the spiritual trap. Naked eye cannot see the spiritual trap. Samson thought Delilah was a darling, but behind her was five demons of the Philistines. Child of God, we have an obligation not to follow the flesh, but our obligation is to be led by the Holy Ghost. Otherwise, we'll be speculating, we will get onto a lot of conspiracy theories, we'll get onto a lot of false understanding, we'll miss our ground because the things of God are understood in the spirit. Unless we train and energize our inner man, we lose. We lose the treasures and the nuggets of the kingdom. We worship God with our spirit. Look at the word in. The word in. Yet a time is coming and now come when the true worshippers. Why did Jesus use the word true worshippers? Because there will be false worshippers also. True worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind. Father is looking for a variety, a brand. Just like we go to the mall and say organic food. We go by branded items. We say this make and that composition and, and this manufacturing company and that date and this seal. We got, we got a like, we got a brand. God has got a brand that he desires. There was the altar, Abraham and the altar. There was the, 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 the tabernacle. There was the temple. But when, when Jesus came, he inaugurated a new pathway to worship the same God. And he said, all the three formats in the Old Testament did not have the strength to engage with God. We all were left outside. Father is seeking for worshippers who will engage with him. Engage with him. Today, as a musician, I lament and say, we have outsourced worship to musical sounds. Keyboard is making more sound. Drums are making more sound. The PA system is making more sound. But where are we to worship God? The psalmist said, let the praise of God be heard. When you worship in the spirit, you engage with God. Jesus was very clear, not in Jerusalem, not in Samaria, but in spirit. Why did he say that? Because worship is not confined to a location, geographical location. He broke the barrier of time and space and he said the Father is inaugurating a kind of worship where worshippers will worship in spirit. 
in your spirit when your spirit and the holy ghost combines together amalgamates union there is such a flow of god such a flow of the river such a flow of the presence words are limited tunes cannot suffice there is that presence that elates you there is joy there is healing there is deliverance there is power there is revelation there's intuition there is blessing worship god in the spirit amen looks like the message just got started god is spirit god is not flesh god is not soul god is not science god is not mind god is not this god is primarily spirit everything else falls next and when we engage with him engage in the spiritual spirit who worships sometimes you're through the night i've noticed that myself and some of you can testify through the night your spirit is worshiping you're telling lord i love you lord i serve you lord my eyes are on you you have no song no orchestra no band right in the bed you're connected to god and morning when you get up early morning you have a song of praise in your heart where did you get it from all night your body was at rest that's the problem with the body the body is lethargic the body is weak the body needs to be forced but the spirit is always active no wonder jesus said your body is weak but spirit is is is, is willing but the flesh is weak so you need to energize you cannot energize the flesh how do you energize you need to energize the spirit first your spirit man needs to be awakened your spirit man needs to discern your spirit man needs to worship when that worship is there the flow moves from the spirit to the soul to the body no wonder when the holy ghost come some people energize the body yes the clapping happens there is there is shaking happens i've seen that i've seen that for the first time at the age of 16 when i got filled with the holy ghost what an energy just came into me one passion that burned in my heart lord i want to serve you lord i want to run for you if you want to if you want to stay strong if you want to live long if you want to move in the way god wants you energize your spirit body is lethargic don't go by the senses what we see is temporal by the way sun rises in the and sets in the did you know that we only feel that because our senses say sun rises in the east and sets but actually sun doesn't rise sun is stationary sun is spinning on its axis we go around the sun but it feels so feelings change don't go by feeling whatever you're feeling today child of god feelings change you feel mad sad glad feelings change go by the truth truth is transparent worship in truth truth in entirety transparent integrity truth truth is god's property truth doesn't change we worship by the truth we stick to the truth we stand firm on the truth we recite the truth we revel in the truth we worship god in spirit and in truth because truth is not feeling Worship is not to excite me, but to exalt God. First time when the word worship came, it was in the context of Abraham taking his son to go sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. There was zero excitement. When Job said, "Blessed be the name of the Lord," there was zero excitement. There was no band. There was no music. But yet there was that spirit that connected to God and say, "Yea, though you slay me, yet will I praise you." 
No wonder Paul could be in the prison right there in the Philippi and he could tell to the church, to the Philippians and says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. What do you mean by that? He's, he's chained outside. He's weary outside. Things were happening outside, but somewhere in the spirit, his spirit and God's spirit had that union and there was joy. The fruit of the spirit is love. Second is joy. Joy. Joy changes the atmosphere. Gloom and doom changes the atmosphere when you worship God in spirit and in truth. That's what happens in the spirit. You don't require a big band. You don't require X amount of choir. You don't have to be, no, no, no. We got to be spirit-filled worshippers. That's what we do in our spirit. One of my favorite verses, whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. If you say, Lord, I want to get close to you. I want you. I want your embrace. I want you to touch me. I want you, to, Lord, to be one with you. I love you more and more and more and more. You know what actually we are telling? We are telling, Lord, may your spirit and my spirit may both join together. Unite together. NLT says, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one with him in spirit. One. That oneness is there. Your mind and God's mind are one. God's thoughts and your thoughts become one. God's heart and your heart become one. That's that, the place of union that we go. So energize your spirit, man. Walk in the spirit. Be led by the spirit. Be united with the spirit. Have communion with the spirit. That's our calling. That's when we get that, 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 that strength. The divine intelligence. Divine downloads. Divine intuition. The mind of Christ flows into, into our spirit man. Then it touches our, our, our natural mind. Then our body executes that. Let me go. We serve God in our spirit. For God whom I serve in my spirit. In the preaching of the gospel. Romans 7, 6. But now by dying to what bound us. We have been released from the law. So that we can serve in a new way of the spirit. Ministry begins with that union with God in the spirit. Acts chapter 13, in the church at Antioch, while they were fasting and praying, the spirit of God said, release to me Barnabas and Saul for the ministry I've chosen. He directs the path of ministry. We serve God, we get ideas, we get strategies, we get, we get compassion, we get burden for the lost in the spirit. If your spirit man is not energized, your inner man is not strengthened, ministry does not flow, river does not flow, dryness flows, hate flows, pain flows, words that are poisonous flow. Why? Because we're not energized in the spirit. We serve God in our spirit. Last one. We have revelation from God in our spirit. Revelation is uncovering. We don't get it because of reading books. We don't get it because we have a whole lot of, of, of huge access to libraries. No. I would like to sh uh, read a verse from Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. A, 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 a known verse, but quite intriguing there. Matthew eleven twenty-five. 25. The disciples come back from the ministry. And then... Um, he looks at and Jesus gives praise to the Father. Matthew eleven twenty five. 25. At the time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, 
Because you have hidden these things, the things of the kingdom, from the wise and the learned. Wise and the learned are the PhDs. Wise and the learned are the ones who are sitting in the synagogue. They know the scroll. They've read the Torah. They know the nuances of the Torah. The wise and the learned. Look at, look at the verse again there. Father, Lord of heaven and earth, you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed it to infants and babes. You know, you, you know the age of infants and babes? 12, maximum 24 months. That you call an infant. 24 months. Jesus is telling, Father, you reveal the secrets to infants. By the way, infants don't have sharp brain. Infants have not gone to their training. Their cognition is not fully developed. But yet, how do they get it? How do they get the secrets? It's through revelation. It's through revelation. Revelation is that sudden release of the truth of God in your spirit. That only God can do that in your spirit. Look at the verse there. Revelation 1.10. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard. Aha. At once I was in the spirit. In Look at Revelation chapter 4, verse 2. At once I was in the spirit and I began to see someone on the throne. I begin to get a revelation. Look at the whole book of Revelation came about because John was in the spirit. You've got to discern these things in the spirit. Bible reading will be most boring if you don't have the revelation of the Holy Ghost. Jesus one day wanted to take a stock of himself when he's went to Caesarea Philippi, took us three disciples and he asked this famous question, who do you say people I am? What opinion people have about me? What are they? What are they? What is the feedback about me? What are they texting about me? And uh, they all begin to say, Elijah, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, this and the other. Peter said, you are Christ, Christos, the son of the living God. Jesus immediately said, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You did not get it from books. You did not get this from reading. You did not get this because you were in touch with some professor. No. This came because Father revealed it to you. Revelation. Revelation comes by in the spirit. And Jesus said, upon this revelation, I will build the church. That Jesus is the Christ, is the revelation upon which we build this church, the church is built upon the revelation. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the one who changes life. His gospel is the true gospel. We receive revelation. How do you energize your spirit? Point number one. Speak in tongues. What a unique gift it is. World will not understand. Ungenerated man will not understand. It is spiritually discerned, so mind cannot understand. But 1 Corinthians 14, 4. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. Very, very nice verse. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, builds himself. Energize himself, edifice, build. It's like building a building a house. Oikodomio, building. 
Whenever you speak in tongues, you're building your inner man. You're flexing your inner muscles. Speak in tongues. Speak in tongues. Paul says, yes, there's the gift of prophecy, but I speak in tongues more than all of you. What a blessing to know we are a Pentecostal church. We are baptized in the Holy Ghost. Desire those, you know, th this, is, this is the pathway to energize, divine pathway. Prescribed by God. No wonder the enemy has poured in so much of confusion over this gift. Because if you push this gift away, you are weak in the inner man. You are weak in the inner man. Enemy knows that if you speak in tongues, you're speaking mysterion, mysteries. You're speaking divine language. You're speaking and accessing the very throne of God, the purposes of God. That's what you're created for. Never missed on God's assignment for your life. That's why you were created. You were not created for a company. You're not created for Google Cognizant or Dell. You're not created for that. You're created by God for his mission. And when you speak in tongues, you access and energize what God wants to do in your life. And the spirit of God begins to communicate things. Un an unraveling. Breaking the seals and the scrolls. And blowing those trumpets. Unveiling your destiny. The spirit of God. When you speak in tongues, you energize. You build. You edify. Second, meditate on God's word. You know, for children, we teach this song, read your Bible and pray every day. The essence of it, I'm realizing, the essence of it is so deep. The essence of it is so strong. The aroma is so, so, so nice. Read your Bible and pray every day. Psalm 1, we are so familiar with this passage. The psalm, psalm begins with what not to do, then, then what to do. If at all you want to delight in God's word, the psalmist says, learn where not to sit, not to stand, not to walk. Ah, delight in God's word. But before that, before that, blessings are for those who are not going to walk in the way of the sinners, sit in the seek of the mockers, or go in the way of the ungodly. Learn that. Second one, he says, but his delight, uh -huh, delight in the law of the Lord. And that there is flow. Delight in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Practice, practice, train, train yourself. Delight, delight. Bible reading is delight. It's more than reading. It's meditating. It's ruminating. It's chewing the cud. There are treasures. Oh my goodness. There are some treasures that will overwhelm your heart, that will just give you those moments of revelation, that will break doubt and hate and fear. There is those moments when you're meditating and chewing on it day and night. Look at the look at the outcome. You'll be like a tree planted by the stream, streams of waters. You're not dry. The Spirit of God keeps flowing streams. John 6, 63, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Like a tree planted by the streams of water which yields fruit in season. Leaves does not wither. Whatever he does prosper. Meditate on God's word. Third, I dwelt on worship. Keep worshiping. Let me close with what Paul says. He says, do not be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Very strange way, but let me close with this line. If you have seen a drunkard, 
the drunkard is completely controlled by the kick he when he is full of the drink his talk changes his walk changes i remember coming from school we have five of us we used to come same bus sometimes you know one drunkard would climb in and you must see him walking trying to catch and sit in a seat he is unable to do that haphazard walking why is controlled by the drink his talk is exaggerated talk vocabulary is so different hand motions are different the way he looks at you is different talk walk speech and style everything completely different but the moment the drink is gone he is kind of seems normal hello sir how are you now paul says do not be drunk with wine which leads to debauchery instead be filled with the spirit what fills you controls you what fills you controls you when you're full of the holy ghost the holy ghost controls you and as we said there is understanding there is worship there is ministry there is revelation and i pray that god will give us the grace and the strength today this morning that we will energize ourselves in our inner man we have an obligation and our obligation is to walk in the holy spirit of god shall we close our eyes and hand over the service to pastor abraham